This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You know, you got to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The next the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. Scoop, duck, and high five. My name is Matt Bagley, and if you listened last week, you noticed we sounded a little different. It's because we're not in my corner studio, because radio stations, well, (laughs) we're all freaking out right now just like you are. Uh, Our doors are shut. That means J-Hop can't come in. And so I am at home. I got my home studio set up here, and I'm going to patch in a phone call with the man, the myth, and the legend that runs our site, scoopduck.com, and we're going to talk ducks. There's a lot of recruiting news out there. These guys are are really uh, focused hard on 2022 and the future and how you you build on a Pac-12 title team. We're also going to talk hoops and... Just kind of see where the conversation takes us. Uncharted territory. Scoop, duck, and hi-fi. I'm going to get Justin Hopkins on right now. Hello. Hey, man. What's up? What's up, man? Not much. Just, you know, doing the thing. It's uh, still a little funky with the home studio set up, but we'll make do. Well, that's the thing. I mean, as human beings, all of us, all of us, I don't care who you are, we're creatures of habit. Right. You, know, you, you go and you fuck up basically every part of your day and it's like oh shit (laughs) but yeah that's the thing you just adapt or die right so i i recorded a little bit off the top just telling people what we have going on this week um when when i checked scoop duck today because you know my routine uh, we we kind of gather topics beforehand, and what i like to do is i check the site and just see what you've written about um i was blown away all the work you're doing right now on 2022. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just because of how, you know, successful they've been with 2021 already. Um, and just, I don't know, it's, everything's at a standstill because all these guys start taking visits and stuff. So. <laughs> so 2022, just as, as an outsider, somebody who doesn't know this stuff as well as you do, I assume this is a good thing. They're working ahead. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things we're all basically trying to navigate through our daily routines and figure out the adjustments we need to make and the best, you know, possible outcome for ourselves. And and I think that Mario Cristobal is doing the same. You, you, you try and take a step back from everything. You know, you get a big picture outlook. Um, they're already doing really, really well uh, in 2021 recruiting. Um, you know, got the commits, got a quarterback uh, committed, which I think is going to be big. I think they're feeling pretty good about a number of other guys. It doesn't mean they're ready to pull the trigger just yet or anything of that matter, but if you're feeling good about guys, you, you tend to start kind of maybe even looking forward a little bit. Um, with the spring calendar very much up in the air, you sort of wonder how much you're going to be able to get out and not just see 2021s, but 2022s uh, as well. So, um, you know, I think uh, at least for us as a website and just trying to figure out the best possible approach, I think. Oregon, as a, as a university, as a football program, 
has definitely gone ahead and put a pretty big emphasis on 2022, just hoping to maybe get a, a leg up on those guys, uh, understanding that there might not be a spring evaluation period for them to do that. So mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a right or a, ro- a wrong answer here, but with the 2021s basically being forced to hold off on visiting, uh, it seems as though there's definitely been a lot of attention paid to that class as well. Uh, let me ask you a personnel question on that. So last couple years, we've seen when Mario Cristobal has the full war chest to shoot from, he's going after front seven. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher, uh, Justin Flo, five-star linebacker who I can see blitzing off the edge and killing quarterbacks in the near future. Where do you think they are prioritizing for that 2022 group and in the future? I think really Oregon's looking to add some more speed, a little bit more skill, just some of that versatility in the offense that that you'd like to see. You know they're big and strong. You know they're powerful on the line of scrimmage. Um, You know, I think there was definitely an emphasis placed on cornerback that will be a very focal point in 2021. I'm sure they'll do a little bit more of that in 2022, along with safeties. You're going to see a lot of turnover in that safety room in the next two years with a number of of guys set to graduate there so right. i think those are a couple of key areas and the wide receiver wide receiver is always a big a big deal right now for oregon and really kind of putting a lot of emphasis there um 2022 might be the first class that we see in a while where oregon takes multiple running backs um mm-hmm. just because of how many guys are going to graduate you know over the next couple of years that 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 room is really full right now but you got a number of guys that are you know, a year or two away from graduating. So that could be another class, uh, another area where Oregon definitely looks, um, you know, to, to add some more bodies. You mentioned wide out. You mentioned running back. With some of the coaching changes we've seen, do you think they target a different kind of guy at those positions? No, I, I don't know that they'll target any any differently. I think each each class, I think the goal each class, and we talk about wide receivers specifically, you can't just bring in smaller, speedier slot guys across the board. You're trying to bring a combination of guys with length that can be outside, stretch the field vertically, be a red zone target. You're looking at all those different types of receiver. So I think when it comes to 2022, you know, you're going you're gonna to see what you, uh, you know, obviously we know what Oregon has signed in the class of 2020. So this year, in 21, you've got Kyron Ware-Hudson committed, who's kind of that possession-type uh, receiver, mm-hmm. very valuable in any offense. You know, it depends on where, where, how they're able to fill out, you know, the rest of that class. They're going to sign another two or three receivers, I would expect. Um, you know, they're going to see what they're going to have, you know, and then attack 2022, not only for the top guys, but really trying to fill, hey, look, we didn't really find a red zone target. We need to find somebody a little bigger-bodied. Uh, you know, or we need that that short speedster type guy, that slot guy. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna look and, and obviously make those adjustments based on what they do in twenty one as well. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, let's shift gears for a minute. I, I know you guys are are doing a lot of great writing right now, covering recruiting and it, it, fans. If you want that, you can check out Scoop Duck for more of that. Scoopduck.com. How how are you killing time this week, Justin? How are you holding up? Um, you know, I I I think. Um, you know, one of the things I thought, you know, I know we did a really good job not really talking about the, you know, uh, the pandemic and, and things that are going on. And, and obviously we're all adjusting as human beings and, 
and that's just what life's all about is being able to adjust and um, you know, I know I said something coming in originally about, uh, you know, we're, we're human beings. We're we're very uh, dependent on our routines. It's just a really big part, especially as men. We're very routine based uh, when it comes down to it. So for for me, you know, it's been a big adjustment in the fact that it's been a little harder coming up with things to write about that are creative and still newsworthy with no sports going on. That part, at least from a work standpoint, has been very difficult. I've never really been one to, to try and post a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, right now, I feel like outside of recruiting, a lot of the stuff I'm doing is filler. But, uh, I mean, let's just face it, there's no sports going on. So trying to have that balance, I think folks have been very understanding about that, though. It's not like anybody's going, hey, you're just only getting two or three or four articles up a day, what are, you know, what am I paying you for? Right. You know, everybody clearly understands what's going on, at least from a, a sports world. But, but also, um, you know, for me, uh, having, well, right now today, five kids at home and, you know, everybody's inside because it is raining in Southern Oregon. Um, although it's been nice weather, but just trying to balance all of that along with, uh, you know, I'm used to having a kid or two around, um, at times during the day, but overall I can usually kind of pay my attention to work. Um, you know, everybody's home. Everybody is at times, you know, bored. I just want to go out and see my friends and I get it. You know, we're, we're all struggling with those things, but you know, I think just, just coping and, and coming up with, you know, changes in your daily routine and figuring, you know, for you working from home, you know, all these different elements that we're all facing. Um, you know, for me, I've seen some positives though, you know, um, Cooper didn't miss a beat of school. He's been able to do all of his school online and, and, and just finished, yesterday so he's officially on spring break now starting today um and it's noon and he's still asleep by the way <laughs> but um <laughs> li- life of a 15 year old um but uh you know some of the positives though have been all of our kids are very active and i i really appreciative of that but i'm talking basketball soccer you know track all these sports that it you know there's practices and all these things and that's all been on put on pause which while that it's a bummer it's given us time as a family to you know, yesterday we went for a walk. We went for about a three-mile walk with the dog. Just, you know, caught 20, 30 minutes of, of fresh air and, and got outside. Um, came home, played a quick board game, watched uh, watched the movie Grown Ups together. And, and even though some of the kids were on their phones and stuff a little bit here and there, it just gave us time to be around and, and laugh and not feel rushed and, like, you know, hurry home and cook dinner and slam it on the table and go do your homework and take a shower. You know I mean? Just... I think this has been a, a blessing for some folks that have been able to, you know, maintain their wages. I know that's a big concern right now, but being able to do that and being able to spend a little bit more quality time, I definitely think that's been at least one very positive outcome of this, yeah. uh, of, of, all, of all the tragedies so far. Yeah, I, I've seen that because w- what we've done as a radio company is we have one person who basically works in that building uh, during their normal shift and then everybody else is working from home and that way we don't have anything and we don't bring anything into the building um, and if he does nobody's there to catch it from him so um, it's it's been interesting how we all communicate we've been doing uh, like video conferencing which I guess everybody on the planet is doing now and <laughs> Every time we do these video conferences, I see all everybody's webcams, uh, everybody's kids in the background, or dogs in the background, or uh, my cat showing up earlier in the uh, the web conference we had, all sorts of little stuff, and it, it is nice to 
to have your life with you at your work now. Um, but you mentioned, it, and I don't want to get too deep into the weeds of media because that's never the point of this, but I think it brings up an interesting point. You talk about how it's tough for you to find content when there aren't games. And I really resonate with that because I know for me in radio, it's analyze what happened and speculate on what will happen. And now all I can right. do is speculate on what will happen. So it just it just feels a little half-baked right now. I, I wonder, um, like like for me, I, I've kind of used classic games as a crutch and, and telling a lot of stories. Have you dove into classic games or anything like that? I haven't yet, and I'm I'm definitely uh, you know that's in the back of my mind. I actually, last three days specifically, I've sent out uh, because you know I've got a I've got a team of guys. I've got Jacob, who um, you know he was just getting through finals there at school, which they just finished at Oregon online. Yeah, and now he's chomping at the bit. Hey, I need stuff to do. I need stuff to do. Um, you know, I've got my guys Jonathan and Max Torres, and and everybody's really trying to do figure out. Hey, what can we do? So I spent kind of the last three days talking to everybody and, and, hey, you know, call these recruits. These are the guys I'd like to get interviews from. And, hey, why don't we start this series and working on this? So, you know, that was kind of, yeah, we were we were what I would, what I would consider lacking in number of content on Scoop Duck. But I was, I was working. You know, I was sitting here trying to look around and find ideas that I like and things to get to those guys and get them working on and get myself working on. And, yeah, I mean, you know, past games uh, are a big one or – you know, all time list. I know a lot of people have been doing that. Who's your favorite? You know, you know, Oregon uh, football team. What's your all Oregon football team or all basketball team? And, and a lot of those things have been popping up. And uh, they definitely do have a place and do help pass the time. And, and I can appreciate those. I've been trying to think outside the box a little bit, just because it seems as though those have been done uh, quite a bit around. You know, the the web, uh, the world wide web so far. So. Um, and that's the challenge. I think that's one thing that people relate to on Scoop Duck. We've always kind of been an innovator, not only when it comes to news and, and, and inside news, but just new content ideas and things that you're not finding everywhere, like yeah. Ultimate 25. Um, you know, our podcast, really, which we have a lot of guests on, obviously, with things being different, we're not able to at this point in time. But, you know, we're kind of always, as a, as a site, and, and just always kind of pushing the boundaries that's next and i see those ideas get get copied elsewhere which means that we're doing a good job so, right um and that's what i'm you know that's what i'm sitting here going okay what's the next step what can i do there's no sports you can only do so much recruiting um and it's tough and, and again i think people have been really good about it i've been trying to post different topics on the site that might not be sports related and are definitely not politically related um you know for discussion but uh but yeah, it's just, I mean, we're kind of all in this together and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's uncharted territory. It's, it's really, um, you know, for me, one of the things I want to talk about with you today was, you know, the, the, which this kind of segues into it is the NFL and the college football season. I mean, they're right. very much in peril. I mean, what do you right. do? You know, I'm, um, I, I don't know what your thoughts on it there are. I, I have a lot of doubts that we, we might see these, these seasons play out. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I brought that up on my show last night. Um, obviously, my expertise is more the pros. Um, but when I see Sean Payton test positive, and he's the head coach yeah. of a football team, I, I, I know immediately that his entire team facility has to shut down. And now the NFL came out, I think, last night 
and officially shut down not just their facility, but every facility. And right. we still have an NFL draft. We got to have right. scouts. We got to have meetings. We got to have uh, you know doctors clear players like Tua Tagovailoa. You got to have Justin Herbert go and and draw up plays on the chalkboard with some of these teams. And now all of that can't happen, at least at a team facility. So I I think that with the NFL, you're looking at a situation where. They need to get the ball rolling again by the summer. And if they don't, oh, yeah. and, and college obviously in the same boat because of the way academics work, um, if, if we don't see a return to normalcy by June, then yeah, we, we should all be worried. Yeah, I agree. I think you got to, two, uh, you know, I think a lot happens obviously within the next four weeks to eight weeks. You know, you're really. Because, again, like you're saying, the NFL has all these timelines. And basically, they're all getting pushed back right now. So I guess first and foremost is the NFL scouting. Okay, we're, that got cut short. How far does that get pushed back? Do they then go ahead and add that back in and give them a window right. for it? Or do they skip that part? And then, like you said, you know, medical evaluations and then the draft. So you're just looking at the timeline. However far that stuff gets pushed back, you know, your window of cutting stuff out and, and still having – you know, what you can do for an NFL season gets smaller and smaller by the week. And, uh, yeah, I, I think, like you said, I think, I mean, June definitely, and I, I really think, you know, you start looking at this thing go to go all the way through April. Every week in May that you go into, I think, is, is going to just exponentially make that harder and harder. Um, you know, college football, a little different. Obviously, if nobody is able to do spring ball, that doesn't help anybody. That, that definitely hurts them, but I still think right. they can manage – a season yes. as long as they can get back and have a full fall camp. Yes. Um, you know, o- online classes, they'll be able to do all that online. Um, but yeah, I mean, just again, every week that goes by, I think after you get through April, it exponentially decreases the likelihood. And that just, that's just crazy to me. I mean, we're talking about, you know, here we are in late March and we're talking about something that takes place in August and September. And they're definitely, definitely in deep jeopardy, I would I would say, at the moment. I cannot imagine going through those months without football. It's yeah. just crazy to me. Yeah. Any football. No, and somebody asked me that the other night. They said, you know, because I've taken the position, I feel like we, should, we still should be fighting this thing. We still should embrace home quarantine and embrace the restrictions, not going out to bars, uh, not going out to restaurants, trying not to go to the grocery store all the time, things like that. Um, and somebody said, well, w- would you still do that if it meant you don't get a football season? And I thought that would be tough. Obviously, I, I know you feel this way and I feel this way. Football is the best sport on the planet, right? Definitely, it, it's, definitely. it is, it's so fun. It's so great. And, and I, I, I can't imagine not having a football season. Um, I still don't think we, we won't, I think we will get football back, um, but if we have to, we have to, and and I'm I'm down yeah. with that. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of you know. I, I have definitely steered clear of, of the of the. Once I made a couple of initial comments about CV19 and realized just how emotional people are about this topic, right? I've done my best to steer clear. It's a very polarizing topic. You know, you do have people on one end that hey, this is shouldn't be as serious as it is, or there's people that are, hey, wake up, it's more serious than you think. 
and uh, it's really hard to know. And and I, I'm not saying either side is foolish. Um, it's just uh, it's such uncharted territory. And, and and I'm like you. It's just man. I, I guess I guess what it's come to for me, at least at this particular point, is that you know I do that agree that some limitations had to take place. Uh, as far as social gatherings, in order to limit this thing from growing, and I guess if we got to bear it out for four weeks, so that we can return to some normalcy, and I know four weeks isn't accurate. I understand that. I'm just using general, right? Uh, you know, uh, right. length, a general length. But you know, to to be able to return to normalcy, it's probably worth it. Whereas if we kind of continued on and this thing lingered around for six months, you know, that's a pretty bad alternative as well. So. No perfect answer, and I know it affects people in different ways, and, it, and it's going to affect me too. And I know it's going to affect you both financially and just what we're able to do as well. But uh, you know, I guess safety is the, the number one thing. But anyways, moving off off that topic for me, yeah. I've got a question for you sure. because this is going to light you up. Marcus Mariota to the Raiders. Mm, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I, in your wheelhouse now. You are. I can't believe we didn't talk about this last week. By the way, did, did did he sign by the time we did the pod last week? I, I think I don't think it was official. I think okay. at the time when we recorded, it was like, hey, Mer- I think we might even mention that it's a possibility, but I don't think anything was done at that time. It, okay, it was the first time, first chance we've had. Mm. Yeah, I'm chomping at the bit, man. What do you want to know? You like the move? Do you I not? love I the mean, move. What, what, who 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 benefits here? Do they both everybody. Benefit? I mean, what, everybody. Yeah, this is. I, I, I'll, I'll let. So there's a couple ways to look at this, for for Duck fans who are Raider fans, and I know there is a fraction of you out there. You guys yeah. all feel the way I do. Duck fans who are Raider fans are like over the moon right now. Um, right. There are the Duck fan out there who was a Titan fan because of Marcus. This is for you guys. Um, yeah. I hated how Tennessee used him. I felt like. They never, ever embraced his running ability until they absolutely had to. So, like, the playoff win against Kansas City where he throws a touchdown pass to himself, they just accept that that's his gift and that's going to help them win. But they never made that a focal point, like, say, how the Ravens use Lamar. Um, I think John Gruden is smart enough to make that a focal point. Uh, The other thing I really like about this, for years, Marcus would get really fluky play calling. So they would, I mean, they had Derrick Henry, who we know now is one of the best running backs on the planet. And, And if you build an offense around him, you're good enough to reach the AFC title game, right? And yet Tennessee would just expect Marcus to run this really vanilla drop-back offense and get sacked and get hit and get injured, and then they would blame him when he got injured, and it just made no sense. Um, it, it, at least with Vegas, the, the one negative people always say about John Gruden's offense, he's a little too conservative. He runs the ball a lot. That's going to be a plus for Marcus because it means he doesn't have to do everything. Um, I love this move, and and especially being a Raider fan, being familiar with uh, Derek Carr's personality and being familiar with Marcus's personality, I think they're going to be best friends. And I think that Gruden is already on the record as saying, 
Marcus would have been his number one overall pick way back in that draft. I know I felt that way. I think you did as well. Um, he goes to an organization that, that believes in him and will empower him. And there's a chance, I'm just saying it now, if you look at the contract, it's pretty steep money. It's not starter money, but there's a lot of incentives. I think there's an open quarterback competition, and I think there's a strong chance he wins this job. Yeah, I mean, I on the heels of that, I don't think there's any way you pay him the money you're paying him, and you basically outbid other teams for him yes. and have him just be a really good backup. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, like you said, a very open and full-press quarterback competition, which is only going to make them both better, which is going to make the team better, Yeah, um, which we've talked about, you know, in relation to Oregon, but... Yeah, I, I'm I'm completely just stumped by the misuse of him in Tennessee. And, I mean, ultimately, you know, Tennessee goes on this run, and, yes, they did switch quarterbacks to Tannehill. And Tannehill was efficient. He was effective. But, I mean, all of a sudden you turned into a, a run-first team mm-hmm. with Tannehill back there, and then he was more successful. Well, he was more successful because you decided to run the frickin' football, yes. which you wouldn't do with yes. Marcus. Yes. And it made zero sense. You could have had an incredible zone offense where he's doing the option. You know, he's basically running. Uh, you know, he's going to hand the ball off nine out of ten times, but that one out of ten times he poses a much better run threat than Ryan Tannehill does. Um, not to mention when you're running the ball that effectively, you brought all the, all the safety, all the secondary help up into the box, and it opens up those passing windows. Uh, I just think he got a raw deal in Tennessee, um, and it, it just how quickly they kind of turned on on Marcus there. I think a fresh start in Vegas makes so many so much sense. I think it gets him back to the West Coast, a little closer to Hawaii. His family's going to be able to see him a little bit more often, or at least a little bit e- more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know as, as bad of a deal as, as Chucky's gotten here and there, he's always done a really good job working with quarterbacks. Yeah. So I think. Like you said, between Gruden and Mayock, I know they both were really high on Mariota coming into the draft. I think it's a great move for him. I think it's a great move for the Raiders. I'm definitely, of all the things that happened in the NFL, I'm most excited about this deal. I think it just, I think it just came together and is a really good deal for Marcus Mariota and the Raiders. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of the Raiders. I just think it's a good move for them. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. I I don't know any Raider fans that are bummed by this. Everybody's excited. And a lot of Duck fans I know. I've heard comments from people that were Duck fan Seahawk fans or Duck fan Niner fans. And they go, hey, we got to give it up to your silver and black. This is pretty cool. Because you mentioned the schematics of this. Um we think of John Gruden, uh, the, 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 that stereotype, uh, Spider 2, why banana? You ever hear that, that play get joked or referenced, right? Um, we think about these play-action bootlegs and this West Coast offense from the 90s, but what he runs now is, is basically, um, it, it reminds me a lot of what Chip ran at Oregon. And it's a lot of RPOs and a lot of spread and um, and package plays where they might have, you know, their, their receivers are, are running a cover two beater on one side and they're running a cover three beater on the other side or running a screen on one side, running uh, verts on the other side, something like that. And um, I just think... It's, it's finally an opportunity for Marcus Mariota to do what 
he did and did at the highest level. This guy won a Heisman. This guy took the Ducks to a national championship game. Uh, Finally, an opportunity for him to perform the way we all believe he can at the highest level in the NFL. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy to think that you know they both came in together with a lot of hype and, and a lot of, of, of one-two battles, but both you know Jamie Winston and Marcus Mariota were jettisoned elsewhere in yeah. the same year. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and again, I, I said a couple minutes with you ago, I said a couple minutes ago that when they were draft eligible, I didn't understand why there was a debate. Jameis had right. a really good freshman year, but we saw in that Rose Bowl against a team that has time to prepare for you and a team that has time to take away what you do best, he was sloppy. And yeah. we, we see the same Jameis in the, in the NFL where uh, guys study really hard and they take away what he does best and they force him to make mistakes. Uh, whereas Marcus... It hasn't been that way. It's just he right. he doesn't consistently win games, which isn't his fault. It's his team. I think back to when the Titans benched him, he had thrown seven touchdowns and two picks. That's, those aren't bad numbers, yeah. right? It's just they he weren't winning he enough. He wasn't turning the ball over. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't turning the ball over. Jamie's Winston was a turnover machine because of, of poor decision-making. That right. plagued him in college, and, and like you said, I just didn't see it. I mean, does he have an arm? Does he have some intangibles? Sure, but I mean, just so many other things that really had a lot of red flags with him. But uh, but interesting there. Uh, other NFL news because it's kind of all that's going on, at least the, the free agency. But I mean, how about DeForest Buckner getting paid? Right, right, and and that's a great story too because there are there are a couple guys on that team. Uh, he gets a raise, uh, gets the trade to the Colts, and then Eric Armstead. Gets that big money uh, back with uh, San Fran. Um, you're seeing a a generation of ducks getting their chance to thrive in the league, and and now the next question is Marcus of if if he wins that starting job, which I think he will. Um, right. You know, can he get back to who we thought he was? And I think the answer is yes. So it, it, yeah. pro ducks, it's a really exciting time, and and that's yeah, I, all before Sabrina signs a hundred million dollar deal with Nike. <laughs> Let's hope so. I, I, I mean, you got to think that Nike is going to be smart enough to the the first women's uh, or or woman's you know shoe line would be the UNESCO line. Yes, you've got to think right. Yes, I mean that's a no brainer. That's hand in hand right there. I mean, and that thing's gonna. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna sell those suckers off the shelf at a at an amazing clip, and that's great. I mean, I love, you know, I, I love seeing. Uh, yeah, UNESCO was, was something I was looking forward to talk about. You know, all the awards that she's been able to rack up this week, um, and just the way that she's been able to really, you know, she is she has absolutely put women's basketball on the map. And I don't say that lightly. I know there's been some tremendous basketball players before her, but the way that she was able to do that and put it on such a, a major platform and get, you know, NBA players involved and, right. and rap artists and all these other folks that probably normally would have never tweeted or mentioned anything about women's basketball. And she's got everybody going, holy cow, this gal can play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, not only is that great for Oregon, but, but just great for women's basketball in general at the 
college basketball and at the WNBA levels. I mean, she's she's really a, 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 a once in a lifetime type of uh, talent. No yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I I think you get to the heart of it, which is I remember um, when Maya Moore was doing her thing at UConn, and that was when UConn was at the height of their powers. And SportsCenter tried to drum up a debate on this one day. They asked, could Maya Moore thrive in the NBA? And they had to ask that question. Of course, it it gets panned by everybody and everybody makes fun of it. But the difference between her and Sabrina is you have NBA players now, the late Kobe Bryant, uh, Steph Curry, Chris Paul, and these guys come out and say, you know, yeah, yeah, Sabrina would, would kick ass in the NBA. Like, they're not asking the question. They're telling you the answer. And that, right. to me, that's yeah, the difference. And they're talking about it on their own, not being, you know, pushed to bring it up. You right. Know what I mean, not sparked right. by ESPN. They, um, they just yeah, straight up believe in her. Yeah, no, they do. And just, I mean, she's a heck of a ball player. It's pretty, it was amazing to watch. And it's just, I, I continue to just sit here and I'm not, but I, I'm metaphorically sobbing at the fact that they didn't have a chance to compete for a championship this year just it seems like such a crime yeah. and it's like you know I, I you know it's like telling michael jordan that he didn't get to compete for five nba championships like oh nope sorry buddy you're not gonna get to compete for that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know or the or the 80 what was it the 80 or 90 win uh warriors when they had all those wins that one year like, right oh, you don't get to play for the championship even though we could tell you're better than everybody else yeah but, um, you know, on that on that topic remaining, how about five star grace? I was I just mean, gonna say, I mean, you you can't tell me everybody else is crying, everybody else is upset. We all want to mourn this team and hold a funeral for him, and he goes out and keeps signing five stars. Yeah, I mean, all or five of his signees were were max prep player the player of their state. Yeah, so you had. Uh, and I'll go over them real quick, just in case somebody didn't see it. You got guard Sidney Parrish, uh, player of the state in Indiana. You've got forward Kylie Watson, player of the state in New Jersey. You've got guard Maddie Schur, player of the state in Kentucky. You've got forward Angela Dugalik, is the player of the state in Illinois. And then you've got Tahina Pow Pow, player of the state in California. Five players of the state coming in. That Oregon basketball women's program is freaking stacked again for the next three or four or five years or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. I I can speak to this uh, with my background covering prep sports. Anytime you go out and get the player of the state in California in in basketball, that's probably, in my opinion, that's the best basketball in the Western U.S. You go out and get the, the prep player of the state in California, you got a gamer. And and you you have that deep recruiting class. Obviously, they lose a lot of talent this year. And, and I'm not saying those girls are going to come in right away and thrive. But I, I really see something sustainable that he's building. And I think we're still going to have a packed house at Matt Knight. We're still going to have a passion surrounding that program. And and still a really good product to watch. Well, and and that's the thing, you know. Uh, we're definitely talking about something different when you're talking about women's basketball in the fact that they don't tend, they are not into the one and done at this particular point in time. Mm-hmm. So, 
you bring in a class like this, these, the majority of these gals are going to stay together for three, four, or even five years, depending on how things play out. Right. So again, just like, you know, getting to enjoy Ruthie Hebert and Aaron Boley and Sabrina Ionescu and watching them kind of come in and grow together. And all of a sudden you're seeing them in their third and fourth years competing for championships. You know, this is the type of roster that you build that will have that similar, you know, type of ability. And the fact is, you know, you become, as fans, you become much closer to players that you've gotten to watch grow for three or four years and, and really been able to appreciate. I think that's one of the, the biggest elements to Peyton Pritchard's game is the fact that, you know, maybe as a freshman and even a bit as a sophomore, there was some concern. But to watch him progress as a junior and then really thrive his senior year as a kid from the state of Oregon. Right. That's really special. I mean, that's just something that's tangible that you can relate to. Just it makes for such a bigger impact. Yeah, I've brought up before. I I knew him and I I covered um, the state title game his senior year when Westland beat South Medford. I never thought he would be who he's become. And um, you, you were talking about Kelly Graves earlier. I know you love to compare Kelly to Mario, and I know they have a lot of mutual respect for each other. How, how similar do you think those guys are? Do you think Mario's on the same path that, that Kelly has taken those Oregon ladies? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I mean, obviously, college football, uh, and this isn't derogatory, college football is a lot more competitive in regards to recruiting and some of these other things. Uh, your margin of error is, is much smaller. Um, but I, I do look at the way that they both operate as, you know, CEOs of their respective sport. Um, you know, I think one of the things that makes them both great is that they are demanding. They do expect a lot of their players, of their coaches, but they're also relatable. They're also human. They're also build really strong relationships. And I, I mean, I, you, you, you can see plain as day, the relationship between Kelly Graves and Sabrina Unescu and that that is something special. That is not just on the court. You know, there's a lot of love between those two off the court. And I think, you know, Mario Cristobal has that same relationship, you know, obviously with a lot of the offensive linemen at Oregon because he puts in a lot of time there, but, but all the players, I mean, we've seen more players come back and play a senior year at Oregon than, uh, than that are draft eligible, I should say, than we've ever seen. And I think that's a testament to the relationship that Mario Cristobal has been able to build with a lot of players, Justin Herbert, Jordan Scott, all those guys, um, you know, and Troy Dye. I think it's a testament to what he's been able to build as a relationship, too. The two aren't, aren't the same, but they are definitely on the same trajectory, I could say that. What do you think is the biggest difference between them? Um, man, I don't, biggest difference. I, it sure seems, you know, it sure seems like I would say Mario Cristobal's um, got a little bit more of, of a, of an edge. He's a little bit more intense. I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Kelly Graves is very demanding in practice and stuff, but one of the things that really I appreciate that appreciate about coach Graves, as I've also coached some basketball, obviously not at the level he has, but coaching my sons and other he doesn't get up and yell. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe once a game at most. I mean, he just kind of sits there. You'll see him point around a little bit. And I get it when you have Sabrina out there and some of the others. You can kind of get away with that. 
but I, I just appreciate the way he coaches. And, and, you know, I know I remember one of the things when I was reading up on Kobe Bryant after his death, you know, one of the things with him as a coach, people commented on, he never got up and yelled or screamed. He barely talked during games. And Kobe Bryant's response was to that was, if I have to get up and yell, it means I haven't done a good enough job preparing you in practice to that point, and it's on me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've kind of appreciated that. And again, basketball and football are different. They, that's, I mean, they can't be viewed as the same. But that is something that I've admired about about Coach Graves is that he's basically been able to coach like that, at least from what I've seen at Oregon. He might be totally different in practice, but that's. <laughs> Uh, that that's where you do that, I guess, if you're gonna. Yeah, oh, I I think there's something to that. Um, you know, I I've always wondered, like, because I I never played sports in high school. I played sports when I was younger, and you don't you don't yell at the little kids when it's youth football, pee wee football, stuff like that. But I also think about like I was in the bands in high school, and the band directors don't yell, and your English teacher doesn't yell, and your math teacher doesn't yell, and yet. I'll go watch a football practice and the coaches will yell. I, I, I wonder if you really need to do that. And it's cool to see that, yeah, Coach Graves, he doesn't need to do that. Yeah. No, I'm, and, and again, you know, I guess it's one of those things that's in the, and, and it, it's in the preparation. But, you know, to go back, they're definitely different sports. And, and I think that, you know, we can't categorize them the same. You know, football, you're doing a lot of yelling. Uh, maybe not like demeaning yelling but yelling because there's music on and right. helmets on you know what i mean from there you're not on not an enclosed court so i mean i think some of that uh, you know definitely applies there but uh, but yeah i mean obviously I, I, we've said it before i'll say it again you know oregon's in the in, in really the golden era of college athletics um from the standpoint of you know men's basketball women's basketball track football i mean it just I get apparently softball, although we don't really know yet. I oh, mean, I know. Just, it really just doesn't get any better than where Oregon's at currently. It's it's pretty remarkable job by athletic director Rob Mullen. Yeah. Yeah, I was reading a piece uh, yesterday, Rob Mosley, talking about that uh, on Godux.com. And Mose was, was talking about the softball team and how bummed he was because he thought that was the best title contender that they put together in the last few years. They weren't going to be a, a, a Pac-12 winner, and they weren't going to be like a top 10 team going into the postseason, but he thought just the mentality they had would have really stunned people. Well, I, I think I think there's so much to that that you have a team that faced the type of adversity they have and still have some remaining players. Right. You know, a Haley Cruz who's obviously notable that witnessed this turnaround in just two short years and said, Hey, look, you know, they, I mean, they definitely had to take their lumps that first year, uh, uh, under coach Lombardi, but, uh, that really galvanizes a team that, that makes you grow. That's the type of thing. I mean, I, I think to his credit, that's a major part of why Mario Cristobal has been so successful in getting players to return is, Hey, look, remember when we were four and eight, three seasons ago, and now we're Pac 12 champs. That's, I mean, that's just special. That's just, you can't put a price on that. Um, you know, and being a part of that, being front and center, being a major reason for that, you know, really pulls the team together. Um, yeah, I was definitely bummed not to see. And, and it looked like baseball was starting to get it going, too. I don't think they were going to have the season 
that that you're going to be raising banners for, but that's another program that just really needed to see some progress. And I think they were pointed the right direction. Now, obviously, we don't know how much, but um, with it being a very short season, but um, you know, they'll be back. And I, I guess next year it'll just make us all appreciate appreciate it that much more. Yeah. Uh, so we hit every talking point that I had this week. How about you? Yep. Yeah. No, I've got every, got everything off my list. Kept it relatively COVID nineteen light for the most <laughs> part, and uh, <laughs> I, I know folks are, are are clinging to stuff to try and, and help pass the time, and and hopefully we can be a little part of that. And uh, appreciate you guys for listening, and, and definitely um, I know Matt will say the same, but but stay stay strong and, and stay safe and stay indoors and and uh before you know it we'll all be back outside watching our favorite sports once again yeah stay indoors unless you're running out of tp then you might want to check your yard for supplies uh scoop duck and hi-fi you can listen to us on stitcher spotify tune in also scoopduck.com and i use my iphone i just pull it up on uh, apple podcasts just type in scoop duck and hi-fi thanks for listening everybody have a great week go ducks I can do this now